Any information in this podcast is not intended to promote or recommend any particular product or services offered by Bell's family and associates. It does not take into account the objectives, financial situation, or needs of any investor. Before making an investment decision, investors should seek professional advice. Good morning, Lucy. Great to chat. I've sent around a chart and we'll add it to our links. It is the dispersion of views from Wall Street strategists, and it's never been this great since 2009. It's the greatest range of outcomes that we've seen in a long time. And it comes back to one of my favorite lines from an old colleague of mine. If you're going to forecast, forecast often, a whole bunch of those people are going to have to forecast again differently because not everybody can be right or a great cluster of them are going to be very wrong. Thanks, Gavin. Good morning. I'm Lucy and welcome to tomorrow's news. Gavin, last week you talked about some of those concerning market signals and was pretty cautious about getting involved in equities. Perhaps before we dive into today's discussion, are those flashing amber lights still flashing? I was wrong in that we've seen a quite a nice rally in equities, obviously, right? And then we now see the S&P above the 200-day moving average. We saw Jerome Powell, who we thought would on the margin be more hawkish, turn it out to be a little bit on the margin, a little more dovish or perceived that way. We got unemployment data overnight which Mm -hmm. was pretty strong. We've had some strong consumer data, which should be bearish, right? It should be, oh, the Fed's going to have to do more, but the market is looking at things differently. So if we look at what the major moves are, we've seen the biggest thing happened in November was China, right? We got a massive rally in China. It was oversold. I think no question there, but we've now got a lot of tension around COVID reopening And it seems to be falling more into the camp of a little more easing around uh, COVID restrictions. That's a good thing for the global economy. It's good for inflation. My concern was that China would be more restrictive and that would be bad for supply chains. Is is some of the stuff happening in China in the last couple of weeks making an impact? Oh, for sure. I think markets don't like war disruption, riots in the streets. This is not positive market stuff ever. But I think the biggest concern would be if China's going to stay locked down, supply chains, which are still pretty materially oriented towards China for a company like Apple, as an example, Mm -hmm. they're going to have problems. And that is inflationary. So I think with that mitigating, at least in the mind of the market, at least in the near term and for now, that's positive. Clearly, we've seen a major risk off home come into the market. You can see that in the US dollar. You can see it in bonds and obviously in equities. So there's sort of no question at the moment that the market has gone from very bearish to modestly bullish. Before I launch into any thoughts there, the one thing I would like to chat about for a moment. And Lucy highlighted a chart for me, which happened to be the spread between the three-month and the 10-year. A lot of us use the spread between two-year and the 10-year to measure how the market's thinking about recession. I'm not a fixed income specialist, but I do know a little bit about bonds. 
So the one thing to think about when you think about bonds from the very short end, one month to all the way up to 30 years, is that if you're going to lend your money to the U.S. government or anyone else for a longer time, you should get a higher yield. So let's call the normal course of events is the lowest yields are in the very near term and the highest yields are at the end. Mm -hmm. But it doesn't always work like that because what the market is looking at is what is the path going to be of rates over the period in which I'm holding that bond. Mm -hmm. So if I think that interest rates are quite high now and are going to be lower later, I will take the near-term higher rates. But I also think that since rates are going to be lower in the future, I don't mind having a lower interest rate in five years or 10 years. Now, why would rates be lower in the future than they are in the present? Well, the most obvious reason is because the economy is slowing and that the Fed is going to have to decrease these short-end interest rates Mm. in order to stimulate the economy. So at the margin, it is true that when the curve between the short-end and longer-end bonds is very negative, that is, Mm. you get a better yield, in this case, in the three-month bonds than you do in 10 years, Mm -hmm. it's saying we're going to have a recession. Got it. The deeper that goes, the more pronounced that curve, the more the market's thinking this could be a pretty bad recession or this recession is coming pretty quickly. Mm. Okay. So we've been looking at a chart of a U.S. 10-year into the two-year, which is the one that I tend to watch. Yes. And when I look at it on the long-term chart, it is the most negative it has been in forever. Wow. And Markets get things wrong all the time, obviously, but the bond market tends to get it right that there's going to be a recession. Mm. And that's probably a good segue into what I'm going to talk about today, which is that we've had this pretty positive rally. Semiconductors are up 20% from Mm -hmm. the lows. Generally, you've got stocks up 10, 12% from the lows. And now we've got the S&P 500 above the 200-day moving average. Mm -hmm. And historically, if we look at the signals where the S&P has been below the 200-day moving average as it had been for six months, and then pops above it, historically, stocks do really well. Like, you get a 20% return over the next year. Okay. Okay? There's really good reason to be bullish. But remember what we just said about a recession. Yes. Everyone's saying, well, hang hang on a second. I'm confused. (laughs) Yeah, I'm confused. How is this going to work, right? Don't earnings slow in a recession? Don't bad things start to happen in the economy or bad things for companies? Aren't the rates at which they'll borrow go up? Don't all those things happen? And I would say absolutely correct. They all happen. But equities and markets in general are future anticipating mechanisms. That is, the market cares a lot less about what is happening today Mm. and a lot more about what is happening in the future. And so that there is an element of predicting the future Mm. that goes on. And you could say, well, stocks were reflecting all of that recessionary stuff a couple of a month ago or so. Mm. And they've come to view the path while we're going to get a recession for sure. It's not going to be that bad. And in that environment, maybe those earnings aren't going to be as bad as the most bearish people think. And maybe they're even going to be better. And interest rates, we may have seen sort of the peak of where they're going to top out. And so from here, they go down eventually. Those are going to be good things for stocks in the future. 
And there's something else you just need to think about when you think about equities, that one of the great drivers of equities is that the great thing that happens going into a recession and during a recession is companies cut a lot of costs. They cut a lot of the fat. And often they don't cut nearly as much revenue when they're cutting that fat, particularly if they're a technology subscription-based business, as they do cost. So goodbye free lunches, goodbye massages on a Thursday afternoon, goodbye multiple new offices, Mm -hmm. goodbye 20% of your staff, but you're keeping 95% of your revenue. Yes. What that means is as we're coming out of that recession, we get a real margin and earnings kick. It's really good Mm. for stocks. Those are all fantastic reasons to be bullish. We also notice that there's great breadth in the market at the moment. It's not just, in fact, it especially isn't those big Apple, Microsoft, and so Mm. forth. 75% of stocks now are above their 50-day moving average. That's a near-term measure of momentum. Mm. That's really good breadth. A lot of stocks. The Dow, actually, it's actually in a new bull market. It's in a bull phase. Russell 2000 looks great. Bottomed out at 162 now. Around 187, you look at that chart, double bottom, you'd be pretty positive Mm. there. You think of those negatives that we've been talking about a lot, right? Energy, crude, crude's now around 80 bucks. Mm -hmm. Could even go lower, right? Venezuela, Mm -hmm. Iran. Mm -hmm. And they've just done the price cap as well. Right, price Mm -hmm. cap. Yeah, which is a weird one in terms of how it plays through, but it's sure good for India and China in terms Mm. of keeping their oil prices low. You've got a supply response from US energy companies. There's no question that's good for the inflationary environment. You've got the US dollar now below its 200-day moving average. That's a great measure of how much risk people are willing to take. They clearly Mm. are looking at diversifying their risks. And then there's some data around rents, moderating, rental shelter has been a big CPI driver. So we've got CPI coming up in the middle of December. If we see moderation in rents and the FOMC only goes 50 basis points, Mm. then we can really talk about some of those bullish signals, which include things like presidential cycle. Generally, after the midterms, it's a really good time to own stocks, historically, Mm -hmm. right? There are plenty of reasons to be positive, okay? So thinking out a year, you can get a 20% return from here. Mm. Now, why might we want to be cautious? We want to be cautious because, in a way, you want to keep it simple, right? And so what you've seen to date has been lower highs and lower lows Mm -hmm. for equities. And if you want a trend to be going up, you need higher lows and higher highs. We don't have that yet. So we got some really, really critical arenas here where at a play that we're not really into a bull market by any stretch. And we've got all of these bear parameters sitting out there. There is a setup here that I think puts us into a really interesting question around timing, right? Yes. So FOMC's in the middle of December. We've got the VIX now, the measure of volatility at new lows. Mm-hmm. If you look at its trend, this is the time when you want to be buying some volatility because it tends to begin to rise again as, if you look at its cycle, back through the middle part of December. Mm-hmm. 
So we could actually see rising risks as we go into that CPI period. So when I look at the backdrop, I think to myself, hmm, we've had a good rally. We're at this sort of critical juncture. And so I would sense that we're going to sort of range bound trade here over the next week or two before we get into this FOMC CPI period. And depending on how that plays out, I'm guessing at the Fed at 50, which I think would be consensus. We've sort of heard from Powell what he's going to say. I doubt Mm -hmm. there's any surprising tone there. If CPI is modestly better, I think the market could make a rally well above that 4150 kind of level all the way back up to 4300 or so. Mm. That would be weirdly enough, you know, you'd have everybody saying it's not possible, earnings, PEs are too high and so forth, but it is possible. On the other hand, we have seen bullish sentiment really rebound. Mm. And so one of the things that suggests that we're in a more risky period for, mm. for that last little bit of the trade is that there are more bulls around. And you're going to see a lot of articles on the weekend and a lot of brokers and everyone saying, oh, look, you know, S&P is above the 200-day moving average, game on, mm. lots of great stocks to buy, here's what you should own. And I think jury's still out. So, And so is there an alternative scenario, an alternative outcome? An alternative bearish outcome? Yeah. So the alternative bearish outcome is that we have the grind of a higher risk-free rate for longer that causes people to be more cautious about paying high multiples for stocks because the risk-free alternative is so good. And we also don't know how deep this recession is going to be. So any signal that suggests that there may be a more pronounced negative impact to earnings. And generally, these things come out of nowhere. We saw Blackstone just gated one of its real estate Mm. funds. We could see turbulence in a new spot, and that can disrupt this risk trade. You never get a perfect setup. And I would say that the more likely scenario here is before we go higher, we need to retest that 3,500 level. The best setup would be we undercut it slightly, say to 3,300. There's a lot of panic for whatever reason. And then we move higher from there. And that's the new bull market that we see beginning in the early part of 2023 that takes us into 2024, probably the mid part of 2024. So that would be the alternative negative cycle. There are some stocks that I think are interesting. I think metals and mining look pretty good. Cyclicals, it does look pretty interesting here, particularly if the US dollar is moderating. It does look pretty interesting to look at copper. Gold has done well. Silver is doing well. So there are some things that can perform. But I think generally, I am more cautious on getting involved in a material way here and like probably like most folks chatting about this stuff wait for either a significantly more positive shift in direction Mm. i think we'll have lots of time to get upside or a a better entry point okay that's great so to end perhaps you can share 
your Twitter suggestion for this week? I don't believe I've ever shared his details before, but often the charts I post are from a guy named Ben who has East West Advice. He posts on a lot of different things, but he's really great on long-term Elliott Wave charts. Very thoughtful. And I think he's worth having a look at. Amazing. And maybe one final question about all these charts and data points. What are some of the things that perhaps looking forward to this coming week that our listeners and investors should be thinking about and framing their thinking? It's interesting you ask that. Unfortunately, this is a period where the charts tell you the story and you've almost got to do the opposite. If I look at the S&P 500 over the next week, I'm looking at a level of 41.32, that if we're going to rally up to a level, we close today, 41.40.71, we're going to rally another 50 points up to that level. That's going to be critical. If we get above that, I think we actually could be game on all the way to 4,300 or more. And actually, that could set up a much bigger rally. When I look underneath the surface and I look at the charts of Apple and Amazon and even Exxon, I'm seeing that as a less likely outcome. I'm looking at the chart of copper. Mm. I missed buying copper on its pullback here, but I think that copper looks really interesting. Now, above 376, now if it can get above, call it 395, which is the 200-day moving average, that really tells me we've got a soft landing China's going to come back into the four. That's pretty darn interesting Mm. as well. Those are a couple of the things I'm looking at over the next week. But uh, I think you got to let the market tell you the story at the Mm. moment. I wouldn't put too much narrative on it. I'd say, what's the market telling you? One thing I'd just like to highlight, you've seen this massive rally in equities from a period where people were completely bearish. And one of the things that's so hard to remember to, to have confidence in is that you are never going to pick the bottom. You're never going to be all cash and then suddenly all risk. You got to be 20, 25% of your weight and really waiting for an entry point. I think today probably still applies and your entry point to put deploy another, you know, 10 to 25% to get to 50% weight is going to come. And it could come a little higher, but with lower risk, or it could come a whole bunch lower and probably feel riskier, but provide a better outcome. Mm. But you can't be zero weight and wait for me to record a podcast and say, now's the time to go all in. <laughs> God forbid I said that. If I did, I should be completely discredited. <laughs> Thanks so much, Gavin. And we look forward to our listeners continuing the discussion in our WhatsApp group. That's tomorrow's news and we'll be back next week. All right. Thanks so much, Lucy. Have a great weekend. Thanks. You too.